0: hero quest deep inside another dimension face battling barbarians and evil magic on a quest for adventure in a maze of monsters this is hero quest the fantasy adventure game once you get into it you'll never be the same hero quest
1: hi i'm bj and this is the arcane alienist podcast That was, in fact, the voice of the, the late actor, Christopher Lee, um, doing the voiceover for a 1991 <laughs> Hero Quest commercial. That was the, the version in the UK. We got a different narrator in the uh, in the United States. Um, of course, Christopher Lee, one of the most impressive and interesting people to have ever lived. Uh, war hero, <laughs> World War Two hero, British spy, Nazi hunter. He, he was... Basically, the real-life James Bond. Uh, and then becoming an actor, he, he, he cut a, a heavy metal album as a lead singer of a, of a heavy metal group. Uh, and, of course, he got to play Saruman, Dracula, and a Sith Lord, o- among many other roles, over the course of his career. So, uh, yeah, Christopher Lee was pretty cool. But we're not here to talk about Christopher Lee. Uh, we're here to talk about, once again, Hero Quest. Um I thought I would do uh, an episode a little more detail just on, on Hero Quest. I did the unboxing, and I realized there there may be some context missing for anybody who's not familiar with the game. So I thought I'd give a little overview of the game, uh, and a little bit of how it sort of actually kind of somewhat related to how I got back into doing old school D anD D as sort of a source of inspiration. And then I, there's actually a couple of uh, mechanics you might. Take from Hero Quest and consider might consider putting them in a dungeon crawl when you're playing uh, old school style games. But first, I want to take some calls from people who called in about the unboxing, um, and really the the idea. You're going to hear from um, Carl Rodriguez of the Geomologist Presents. You're going to hear a, a call from Jason Carnley of Nerds RPG Variety Cast, and then finally, you're going to. Get a call from hear a call from Minyan, also known as Rob, who is the host of the We Timorous Bushi uh, podcast. I, I still think that's one of the best names for a podcast I've ever heard. Uh, I love that. <laughs> um, so, uh, but you'll hear a call from him about Hero Quest, that actually um, speaks to kind of uh, you know a little bit of what made me think about maybe doing a, a longer episode on Hero Qua- Quest instead of just responding to calls in, in, a, in another episode. So let's get to the calls, and then we'll get into a little more description of the game. Hey, BJ. Thank you for your overview of HeroQuest. I'm sorry I don't really get board games. I think I've just had too many bad experiences with professional, quote-unquote, board game players that play at all the cons, that meta a game when you're trying to learn it, and kind of say, this is how you win. And this is how we're going to win. And... It's just kind of, eh, not fun to do. Um, I'd hear my, when on the week that I missed, uh, when I was out of town, my gaming group played Gloomhaven and they really enjoyed it. So maybe these are kind of different, but uh, yeah, it'd be cool to set up and play maybe one of these days and get that foul taste of board games and board gamers um, out of my brain. Hey, Carl, thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, I think whenever you take – you know, there are hobbies that – the the people who get interested in a hobby of role-playing games, there's, there's a high overlap with war games, with collectible card games like Magic the Gathering, um, and with video games. Um, the minute you add a competitive element though, and that's why I've never – one of the reasons I never really got into to Magic, and it took me a long time to get into war games too, was because I didn't want – to add that competitive element into I, I liked the cooperative nature of Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing games. And when I wanted to scratch that, do some cool stuff, you know, with fantasy characters, I, I didn't want to add competing with even friendly competition into that. For some reason, I'm not a highly competitive person with other people. I'm much more enjoy cooperation. Um, so, uh, you know, when I, when I, want to achieve something it's usually about having a, a a goal to achieve not necessarily that well someone else did this so I need to do it better um and so that's that's probably why i like role playing games to begin with um so uh but yeah i when you add that competitive element into into something a role playing game like a role playing game adjacent it can become uh aggravating um because you're always going to have some people who can handle it as a friendly competition, some people who are just there to hang out and have fun. They don't care who wins. But then there's some people that once you make it a competition, that kind of starts to color everything, and that's really their bottom goal. And uh, I think I, I don't think I mentioned in the podcast, but I have mentioned I think, some of our discussions on Discord that I originally had a kind of a bad taste in my mouth about Warhammer. Uh, because my initial introduction to Warhammer were, um, well, pr- probably more than just this, but it was sort of, oh, how do you get into Warhammer? Well, you know, read the rules and then find an experienced Warhammer player and let him kick your butt over and over again until the light bulb comes on, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and it, it wasn't very, the first place I encountered it was not very friendly or welcoming, uh, fortunately, about 15 years ago or so, I got in with a group of guys who I was playing D&D with um, that then said, like, hey, man, play Warhammer with us. And they then they showed me how to set up an army and gave me pit, pit, you know, pinpointed ideas, and I still lost most of the game because I was a newbie. But, you know, they, they didn't just stomp me without me being able to sort out what they were doing and how they were beating me. And it was a much more friendly introduction, and we all had a good time, so... You know, I don't know if any of those guys have caught on or listened to my podcast out there, but uh, Madison and Kirby and uh, Adam, if you guys are listening, thank you again for, for bringing me into Warhammer um, back in the day, um, and I, I kind of had big plans to sort of get into it again, and then COVID hit, and it kind of shut down in-person gaming with some of my, my friends here locally, so maybe it'll come back. Anyway, that being said, and Warhammer is important as I get into talking more about Hero Quest. There's a link there, but um, Hero Quest is not a competitive game. It's 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 very much a dungeon crawl game, and I'll talk a little more about that. So maybe you'll enjoy it. Um, as I mentioned in the unboxing, I've I've ran it, uh, I've ran it uh through. I mean, I've been able to set it up. The rules are simple enough that I was able to set it up in Fantasy Grounds and run it with some friends online. So maybe sometime we can. Play through a couple of scenarios and, and give you a taste of it, and you might find you enjoy it. Anyway, thanks for the call. Uh, next up, we've got a call from Jason Connerly.
0: Hey, Jason here. Really enjoyed the Quest episode. Hero Quest isn't a game I had back in the day. I don't know when did it come out. It come out in the 90s. I was already in the Army probably by the time it came out. I did end up buying Warhammer Quest. In fact, I still have two copies of Warhammer Quest. I have everything for Warhammer Quest. Really enjoy that game. HeroQuest just never called to me. I mean, I kind of vaguely knew when it was out, but like I say, I was already out and about as an adult, and, um, it, you know, it wasn't a co-op game or a game you could play solo. I did buy a set, I don't know, maybe a decade ago, and I had it, but... Or, you know, a box set of it, and then, I you know, the game. And, and then I sold it a few years ago to somebody for about what I paid for it, and you know, but... I, I don't know. I'm glad but I'm glad it has resonance for you guys and I'm glad you're able to get it and I'm glad you're happy with the purchase. So thank you for um doing that unboxing. Hey
1: Jason, uh Hero Quest was released in nineteen eighty nine. It made it eight years on the market through um ninety seven before it went out of production. And uh I believe Runehammer, Runehammer. <laughs> uh, Yeah, let's talk about Runehammer. I love that guy. No, I, I think uh Warhammer quest is 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 a is a direct descendant. It's it's the next iteration of that game and a lot of those that similar family of, uh, of board games uh grew out of, of Hero Quest. And again, there is a war, I'll I'll talk more as I mentioned in, in my response to Carl about the connection between Warhammer and Hero Quest here in a minute. Um but yeah, I hope you got a good price for that. I know uh you may have he was kind of the background talking during the unboxing, but but my 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 friend Jerry mentioned he had he had sold a box set a few years ago and he got like over three hundred bucks for it so they're highly collectible um and uh I've got I've got my old box I'm actually gonna look at it as I described the contents for just explaining the game my original box set not my new one um I had I only got this one a few years ago I managed to get it on eBay before the prices started skyrocketing um so uh it's in pretty good shape but you can tell that it's you know a 30 year old game Anyway, uh, yeah, I think uh, love to have, like I mentioned, to just mention to Carl, getting an online uh, game set up at some point to, to showcase it for maybe some people who've never played before and see what it's like. Um, but yeah, thanks for thanks for calling in, and uh, I will talk to you again later. Hey, thanks for the mega mega um, episode on the unboxing of HeroQuest. This is Menion also known as Rob by the way. Yeah, it was, that was pretty amazing. Yeah, it takes me back. I think when that came out, um, our attention had started to flag with the old D&D, but that kind of reignited that excitement that we had about delving into these, you know, down these corridors and getting treasure. And we, I think we went back to D&D quite big after that, probably second edition. Anyway, great stuff. Yeah. Um, doesn't sound cheap, but um, it sounds like you got your money's worth. So that's what matters, eh? Anyway, uh, I'm still listening. I'm doing what is known in the business as a Norton, a Daniel Norton, but don't tell anybody. Thanks for calling, Rob. I um, appreciate it, and I think we probably have a similar feeling towards Hero Quest. I, you know, I, I didn't, I, I didn't get it when it first came out. I got a used copy <laughs> later on and really enjoyed it. Um and have enjoyed playing it but I think when I got the particular this copy I have now the, the, the original um that sort of got me uh a little bit itching for some classic dungeon crawls and that's what led me to pull out my uh mold van cook box sets and start flipping through those for ideas and really kind of got me to say you know what I think I'm going to run an old school D&D campaign And, of course, Old School Essentials has been released in the midst of me planning that out. So uh, I've been using primarily the Old School Essentials rule set, but that is, of course, just BX, D&D. But, yeah, it it did kind of inspire me to to, to start thinking about some older school games with some simple mechanics. Um, You you can use the rules for Hero Quest for a really mini role-playing game if you just want to add the role-playing aspects to it. I, th- I would think i don't know if it would make for for a long term campaign but it might make for a little mini one because the your the characters do improve from one quest to the next and gain new treasure and gear and things like that so um yeah i i i appreciate you uh i appreciate the sentiment and i appreciate the call um and yeah it was a it was it was a bit of a chunk of money to get it but i think it came out it comes down to about a dollar fifty a miniature, so that's that's not a bad when you consider everything you got. It was just a big upfront investment rather than collecting it piecemeal. The new one, I mean, it is not not the classic one. Um, so, uh, thanks for the call. Hope things are going well for you over there in Japan. And please uh, call back in the future anytime uh, anything that I, I bring up or that sounds interesting uh, catches your attention. Let's talk for a minute, a little bit about um, what the game is for people who don't aren't familiar with Hero Quest. Hero Quest is not a competitive board game; it's a it's a dungeon crawl game. Uh, I don't know if there were any quite likes at this before. I guess there was Dungeon from back in the '70s that TSR put out, where you, your job is to go into the dungeon and and get out with as much treasure as possible. Um, so that that was much more of a board game and not a role playing game, although it was co created by Gary Gygax and Published by TSR. Uh, Hero Quest came from Milton Bradley initially, um, which is why Hasbro is publishing the new one because they've since acquired Milton Bradley. Um, you know, I think eventually Hasbro is going to own all things gaming at some point, <laughs> all games and toys. Um, but Hero Quest, uh, you have a board, and it, it's it's a kind of a generic dungeon board, but but in each scenario, parts of that board get blocked off and the doors get rearranged so that you're really playing on, on only minor sections of the board in different configurations. And you can find pictures of this and videos about this online if you want to. So you've got a different kind of dungeon with each each scenario. And the original book had, um, let me look here, 14 quests of increasing difficulty. Um, and so uh, one player has to play the role of a game... Ma- they don't call it a game master, but you've got a little screen that's got the the essential rules on the back and some artwork on the front that you set behind. Technically it says you're playing Zargon. Zargon is this uh, powerful evil sorcerer who is the adversary. Um, but I think in the spirit of the game, it's not like you're trying to... It's not an. It's not you playing against the players. It's you're just... as a typical game master or just uh, running the scenarios and having the... Uh, The monsters do what seems logical and and natural to them. Um, the 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 game comes with uh, some tiles and some um, furniture. You know, you know, doors and uh, tables. uh, There's a cupboard. There's a torture rack. There's an alchemist table. There's a sorcerer's table with with a you know open spell book. Uh, There's a tomb or a crypt. And uh, you, in different scenarios, you find th- these are just kind of there to kind of decorate the rooms um, that you go into as you move your game piece through the board. Um, and so, again, you, players don't know what's in the room until they open the door, and then the Zargon or the Game Master puts the, uh, the furniture and the uh, creatures in the room that, that are going to be there. Uh, and so it is very much... Uh, it's very much if you, if you ever played a dungeon crawl in D&D where you're not really in character and you're just like I'm, you know, I'm going to open the door and see what's in there. Ah, there's a goblin. You know, what are you going to do? Well, I attack the goblin or I run away or I cast a spell? It's just that it's 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 um it's it's the the dungeon crawl aspect of D&D without the role playing. Um so you could I mean you kind of make it into a role playing game if you really wanted to. Um as, as I mentioned uh, just just a minute ago it probably wouldn't be good for a long term campaign or a, a huge overarching thing, but for a little mini campaign you might even be able to to do that. Um just if you wanted to have your character you know, your missions are predefined, your objectives are predefined, so there's uh it's kind of a campaign on rails. <laughs> so I don't know how much uh role playing will really enhance. You you aren't gonna make any choices like that. But so you got a board uh, there are different scenarios that that you that the that the game master sets up and then you move your pieces around the board and you open do- open doors and uh, see what's in there. And usually you've got some kind of objective that you're trying to get. Um, the game does have a little bit of a narrative opening. There's a wizard named Mentor who is featured a lot of times in the yard. He's got a big white beard and red cape uh, who is... Um, uh, keeps an eye on Zargon and... and um, to prevent Zargon from destroying the world, um, and the, the, the book gives you a little bit of a history of the rivalry between uh, Zargon and um, Mentor. Again, it's just like one page in a zine-sized uh, instruction booklet, just to kind of set the tone. Uh, so it's a themed board game. Um, And so there are 14 quests you have to complete. Each of you must complete 14 quests. If you do this, you'll become the acclaimed champions of the realm and dubbed Imperial Knights. Uh, And then you go through each quest. And the quest gets successively more challenging. Um, So how you run your characters. There are four kinds of characters. Uh, There's a barbarian. You are the barbarian, the greatest warrior of all, but beware of magic. Your sword is no defense against it. And so... The Barbarian's primary thing is to attack. Uh, you can't cast spells. Here's here's everything let me back up a second. Here's everything a hero can do on their turn. Uh, you can attack an adjacent monster, you can cast a spell. You can search the room you're in for treasure. You can search the room for secret doors. Uh, or or if you're in a corridor, you can also search for secret doors. You can search the room or corridor for traps and you can disarm a trap on the square you are on if you have tools. You have to have a toolkit. And there is a little bit of a um I think when you start off, you really just got a weapon. Um as you gather treasure in the first scenario, there's a there's a little it's printed on on one of the box inserts that, uh there is a, an armory where you can buy a toolkit, you can buy different types of swords, a shield, upgrades and armor. Um so every every character kind of starts with a with one weapon. Um but the barbarian starts with a broadsword. Doesn't have any armor on to begin with. Uh you're going to have to find some some treasure to come back and buy some armor if you want them for your barbarian. Um and they're playing in the reason this is a barbarian and not just warrior or um fighter or something like that is I think at the time they're really trying to play up the you know this is this is the late 80s you know the Arnold Schwarzenegger playing Conan is sort of fresh in everybody's mind and the the, the barbarian character and all the artwork looks like Conan uh, particularly the Arnold Schwarzenegger version of Conan um and so uh so you're um you're the barbarian the greatest warrior of all uh, and your main role is to uh, fight monsters you're you're the tank i guess um Barbarian can't cast spells. There's a dwarf. So you could also play a dwarf. A dwarf starts with a short sword, no armor, but can wear armor. You're the dwarf, you're a good warrior, and have the unique ability to disarm traps without a toolkit. So the dwarf is important, particularly in the first scenario, because it's the only character that can... Everybody can find the trap, but the dwarf can actually disarm the trap, so you don't have to try to jump over it or go around it. Um, and so... Um, yeah... You got an elf also starts with a short sword and no armor. Uh you're an elf, a master of both magic and sword. You use both well. If you must use both well if you're to triumph. Um uh, have three magical spells. And then you have the wizard. Um the wizard starts with a dagger. And also no armor. And they cannot wear armor. Um You're the wizard. You have the power to cast many different spells. In combat, you're weak. You can't wear armor or use large weapons. There, you must use your spells wisely and avoid physical combat. The wizard is going to have nine spells. And how this works is there are 12 spells in the game. They are divided up by elements. So there are three water, three fire, three earth, and three air. And what happens, I I believe... uh, the elf gets one set of these spells, and then the wizard is going to get the other three. And I think when you start play, the wizard picks one, assuming it's different players. Well, you can just play with one player, and, and then that player can play all four. You need all really need all four of them to get through the scenarios. Um, the only time I've ever seen anybody really fail the first scenario is when we only had a couple of players, and they decided not to use all four characters. Um, but you, uh, I think the wizard picks one element... Then the elf picks one element, and the wizard gets the remaining two elements elements by default. Uh, so, for example, the, the air. Um, Swift Wind. This spell may be cast on any one hero, including yourself. Its powerful burst of energy enables that hero to roll twice as many red dice. So there, there are red dice that you roll to see how far you move. Um, how many squares you get to move on your turn. So Swift Wind. It's kind of like haste. Uh, Tempest. The spell creates a small whirlwind that develops a monster of your choice. The monster will then miss on its next turn. So it prevents the, uh, uh, the attack. Um, Genie. The spell conjures Genie, which will do one of the following. Open any door on the board, or will use five combat dice to attack any monster within your line of sight. So, And then there's, you know, some other kinds of healing spells, and buffing spells, and then things that would be Pretty familiar to anyone who's played D&D. Um, they're not using the D&D names, but, but you'll recognize them. There's also a deck of chaos spells. Some of them are the same as... Uh, some of them overlap with the... Uh, like Tempest. It overlaps with, with the hero spells. But there's some like Summon Orcs and Summon Undead that are unique. Um, and as you get into the more advanced scenarios, you do have to c- combat uh, sorcerers. Or warlocks, I think they're called warlocks in the old one. they they changed the name of them to sorcerer in the, I believe, in the new uh, version of the game. Uh, there are there's a card for every monster with its type of monster in its stats. Not every monster. There there are several because you've got multiple orcs and zombies and things like that. Uh, three of the opponents you face, though, are Famir, Chaos Warrior and uh the, the chaos the chaos warlock um is that what it's called? Let me double double check in this rule book cuz it's been a while since I looked at this old one um but th- these are clearly warhammer uh yeah, chaos warlock. These are clearly warhammer. Uh these are sit these are warhammer sculpts and these old minis they they are citadel miniatures. um the game, and it is tapping into the Warhammer, Warhammer sort of style magic and Warhammer style characters, um, that you're looking at in these, in your, in this game, so it's a dungeon crawl that, that has a little bit of, you can see some D&D in it, but, but it's thematically more, uh, the Warhammer's old world, and so, um, and of the end, you fight the Witch Lord, which is just a souped up version of the, the Chaos Warlock. Now, because that's Games Workshop IP, <laughs> in the new hero quest, they've replaced the Femir with abominations. And I you heard in the unboxing video the, the you know these Femir look like Fimir from from Warhammer, some kind of weird strange lizard folk kind of creature. Um in um in the new one, they look like fishmen. They look like humanoid piranhas, or, or probably probably the closest thing in D anD D would be to kua toa. The chaos warrior is now a dread warrior, and the chaos warlock is now called a dread sorcerer. Uh, but of that, you know the, the the hero characters that you play are still the the barbarian, the dwarf, the elf, and the wizard. They added three, in the bonus content for the new one, as is, I'd is, is mentioned, that is a warlock. So. When you hear warlock in new hero quest, that's not the chaos warlock. That is a hero. That is a kind of a D and D style warlock. The description and the, the spells make it clear that this is a character who's made a pact with some kind of nefarious, some side sort of, some sort of spooky, otherworldly entity, a, a demon of some sort. Um, and they've added a druid and a bard as well. And those those characters all have spells. And I, I think I described those in my last. Sort of my after comments to the to the unboxing episode. So what happens is, and there's a little pad of character sheets. Um, and by little pad, I mean these are like you know um, three by five index card side style pad of character sheets where you name, you put your name, you put the name of your character, you record the uh, the stats of their the type of hero you are, and then you can check off body points when you get hurt you can check off the number of quests you completed and you can keep track of your potions and magic items and your gold coins the way you get um magic items is you, there are cards for these artifacts they're not called magic items they're called artifacts but there's that includes magic weapons and um healing potions and a magic wand and things like that um but they are um hidden around the the, the dungeon you know, not every item is going to be in every uh, dungeon. Um, but they're, they're, it's noted on the maps and the scenarios where they'll find the different types of artifacts that are in the dungeon. But then you've got a treasure deck. Uh, and whenever whenever the, the uh, a hero chooses to search the room, um, if they find a treasure or I'm sorry if they, if they whenever they elect to search through them they draw from the treasure deck but mixed into the treasure i mean there's gold there's gems uh of various value there's ju- there's a bo- you can find a, a box of jewelry or jewels not jewelry but there's also a wandering monster card um, there's actually several monster, wandering monster cards um, and there's a hazard card Where you uh, suddenly the stone beneath your feet gives way, you fall into a shallow hole, losing one body point or one hit point. You climb out and move your your movement stops. It ends your turn, and then you can climb out and move normally on your next turn. And you put that back in the deck at the bottom of the deck. If they get that Uh, after a wandering monster is drawn, after the fight's over, you put that card back in the bottom of the treasure deck. So you got healing potions and stuff in the treasure deck. Um, so those are going to show up in every potential treasure in every in every dungeon. There's hazard uh, while you're searching. A hidden arrow shoots from the wall, striking you. Lose one body point, and your turn's over. Return this to the bottom of the deck. So a couple of generic traps that just hit you for one hit point, which means quite a bit in Hero Quest because these aren't super tough uh, characters. They start off with anywhere from four to eight body points. Uh, depending on on the class, uh, but it's kind of interesting. Is 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 the more you draw from the treasure, because the wandering monsters and the traps get recycled into the bottom of the deck. Eventually, you're going to find all the treasure, and if you keep poking around, you're just going to one you know run into more monsters and, and traps and hazards. So, uh, I think that's a really cool mechanic, and that is one I've I've thought about incorporating into to dungeons. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of pre-published dungeons, particularly they maybe put one trap. And sometimes it's, it's important to have a fixed trap, just like it's important to have a fixed encounter. This room, this monster is in this room. This trap is in this cross-section of hallway. It makes sense for it to be there. Um, and those are major traps like pit traps and things like that. Which also can can happen in hero quest. you've got some tiles to put in pit traps and the map will show you where to, where to put them um, and they're they're significantly more problematic than than just these random here take a point of damage hazards. But I thought it might be neat to seed those do something like that like just like you roll for random encounters, roll for random hazards um, so that you know if you're if you're you know maybe on a one on a roll of one a six sided die. That may be too, too frequently. Maybe you'd want to use a larger die. But, uh, of course, you'd, you might get a saving throw in D&D to, to avoid the damage. Here, you just take it. Um, but that's also because you're actively searching for treasure. But I think the assumption in D&D is you're always actively searching for treasure. Um, you're always at least looking around the room and walking around the room. I um, If you're not opening doors and looking under beds and... Opening drawers and things like that—you're at least moving around the room and, and looking in all the corners and all the places that are visible. So um, that might be a neat mechanic to incorporate into um, into, into a role-playing game uh, when you're doing searching a, a dungeon or a, a house or, or something like that. Um, you know, if they search for secret doors, um, the secret doors are of course already on the map, um, but the game comes with tiles, you go, oh yeah, you found one right here, and you plop it down where they find the secret door, um, there are pit traps, um, which are, again, kind of, these are traps that are, that are pre-marked on the map, um, You know, if the trap is found during the search, Zargon, being the game master, will say that, oh, this this piece of floor looks weak and will point to the square where the trap is located. Um but they won't put a pit trap on the tile uh a pit trap tile on the game board yet. If it's not yet been sprung, um so once the pit trap is discovered, a hero can jump over the trap or they can try to disarm it. So a dwarf can try to disarm it or um after people have acquired gold and in between, scenarios can buy the, the toolkit. That, and Then the other types of characters could also disarm it. Um, there are falling blocks traps. Um, falling block traps are very dangerous. Stepping on one may trigger the ceiling to collapse. If it's found during a search, then Zargon will say the ceiling looks dangerous and will point to the square, but they won't put down a, trap, a tile again until the trap is actually sprung. Uh, you can then attempt to jump the trap, or you can try to jump jump the square to avoid triggering the trap, or you can try to disarm it. There are spear traps. Um, you know, as a hero, when moving on, onto a spear trap square, you have to roll a combat die. If you roll a skull, and I'll explain that in a second, you suffer one damage. This ends your turn. Um... You I basically always sever one point of damage from a trap. But the uh you you got the random you know, hazards that are in the deck and then these other traps that have specific locations are a little more complicated. Yeah, then there are chest or furniture traps. <laughs> so when you're trying to open a chest or move a piece of furniture, inspect a piece of furniture, they could be there as well. Um so how combat works? Well, you've got two types of dice. You've got red six-sided dice, your typical pipped six-sided dice. And these original ones are made of wood. They're kind of neat. And of course, the new ones are made of plastic. Um, to roll, to move. And then you've got six combat die. And the combat die have... Um, they've got three skulls. I'm sorry, four skulls. And then they've got the symbol of chaos, which is a fanged skull. Uh, and they've got the symbol of, of uh, the hero symbol or a symbol of law, which is a, a griffin on a, a shield with a, you know, the silhouette of a griffin on it. Um, some people might say it's a lion, but its tail is a little funky for a lion, but then it didn't have wings. So maybe it is a lion. Uh, it's, it's definitely a lion in the new, I think on the, on the new dice. Anyway, the, um, you know, when you roll, the hero rolls, to whoever's attacking, whether it's the hero or the, or the monster rolls, and a skull is a hit, uh, and then the, the other symbols don't mean anything. But then when you roll to defend, you, then you roll your defense dice. Um, and say the wizard only has two defense dice, the elf has two, the dwarf has two. Yeah, all the heroes have two f- defense dice, but they have different degrees of attack dice. The barbarian with three, the wizard with one, and the dwarf and elf, elf with two. Um, and so it's very much a, you know, anybody familiar with war games is kind of familiar with how this works. As I roll to attack, you roll to defend, and certain of your results, i.e. Uh, the defender rolls a, a, the shield, and sy- symbolic of their, um, their uh, side hero or, or chaos, uh, negates one of the hits on the other side. So, and you can do this, you can figure out how to do this with, um, regular six-sided dice as well, if you if you lose your combat dice. Um, you just say, you know, 1 to 4 is a is a damage. 5 to 6 is not. When you when you, when you roll, and then on your defense, you know, uh, you just designate it as either a 6 or a 1. Uh, for you, on your defense dice, negates a hit. Um, same odds, either way. One, you know, 1 and 6. But... Um, that's how we had to do it in fantasy rounds because it doesn't have these kind of dice. I had to figure out how to do it with uh, handfuls of six-sided dice. Anyway, so that's it. I mean, you're, you're crawling around a dungeon. You're trying to find and avoid traps, looking for treasure. Sometimes you've got another. You've got another overarching objective to defeat a specific monster or to rescue a, a, someone who's been kidnapped or lost. Um, and you fight these. You know. You know. It's, it's not. It's not a. You know, there's not a great variety of monsters, but again, it, it's a simple, straightforward game. Uh, I hope I've described it adequately. If I haven't, there are tons of YouTube videos that uh, where people are doing live plays of Hero Quest. So, so go check those out. Um, yeah, it is. It, it has a character sheet. It has spells. It has character stats. It has dice rolls. It has treasure and traps and monsters. So it is a dungeon crawling game that kind of has everything you, you kind of probably get in original D and D without the role playing elements. Um, and you can give your character a name and a personality because if they die, you replace them. If, if Bob, the barbarian dies in an encounter, you, well, you just, you replace him with a new, you know, Steve, the barbarian, (laughs) and he doesn't have all of Bob's loot unless somebody thought to loot Bob's body and carry it out and then give it to their new barbarian. Uh, next time but uh yeah so so you you replace you've got your four stock characters and if, and if one of them doesn't make it back from a quest you just create a new one uh, and start over so um yeah let me know what you guys think if you have any questions um but like i said i, f- I felt compelled just because i talked about it so much and and, and rob kind of his call there kind of inspired me to go into a little more detail about the game itself uh but it is a good you know if, Particularly on nights where maybe not everybody has made it, you were going to play D and D or Pathfinder or, or Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay or something like that, and um, you know not everybody's there, and you're like, you know what, we don't want to, we don't want to play without everybody here tonight, or you know, there's too many people missing. If you've got you know just a couple of players, you know, they can run two of these characters each. You can you can run through a, a one or two Warhammer scenarios, and at about the same time most people devote to a night of role playing game. So I like a good good filler um thing to do when not everybody's around uh, and and no you know I don't think you get as attached to these characters so if if a different group of players shows up, you know, a month later and it's not the exact same players that played Hero Quest last time, but again, you don't have enough to play D&D, you know, just start with the, with the last scenario or the next scenario from where you left off the previous time. Um I think with the new one um I think you're still supposed to use four heroes, even though you've got now kind of seven options for the types of he- for the heroes. Uh, but I haven't looked real closely into those new scenarios. May make allowances for more characters. I think if you if you play with you can kind of get away with it three if the players are really smart. If you go with fewer than three characters, you're probably not going to succeed. I kind of think there's probably going to be the opposite effect, and you might be able to just play five. Um, and do okay with those new character types, but if you put all seven on the board then uh it may become a little too easy. Of course, you can always up the ante by having the traps do you know putting in more traps or more monsters, and I guess at that point you're you're really you've become a, an actual dungeon master because <laughs> you're tweaking the scenarios and making them your own um and there is a blank map they, they give you a, a blank map of the board where you can sketch out your own scenarios once you've kind of played through all the other ones. So, Anyway, that's uh, that's it about HeroQuest. I, I don't know if that description helped. It was particularly good. Um, this is such a visual game, it's kind of hard to describe it verbally and do it justice, but like I said, there's plenty of pictures and videos you can find online about how HeroQuest is played and what everything looks like. So, I'm going to wrap that up here. And as an afterthought for Hero Quest, just because I don't think we made it clear in the uh, unboxing episode, <clears throat> this entire because I got the 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 mythic tier that included the two expansions. This there are ninety five miniatures in this thing, uh, in addition to the 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 resin cast dungeon dressing and and the tiles that kind of you can use to to, to create different. Um, Arrangements on the game board. So that's 95 miniatures. Um... 95 miniatures. That includes, all told, across the expansions and the stretch goals. Um... For the heroes, that's two barbarian figures, two wizard figures, mentor, so actually three wizard figures, two elves, two dwarves, uh... a bard, a druid, a warlock, and then Sir Ragnar, who is an NPC. Um... Then uh, there are uh, the dragon, two gargoyles, six dread warriors, two dread sorcerers, the witch lord, 14 skeletons, eight zombies, eight mummies, 14 goblins, 18 orcs, and eight abominations. So 95, uh, 95 um, let's do a little math here. 149.99 divided by 95. So that's $1. fifty-eight per miniature and it came with the uh, the game board, all the cards, um, and accessories, and uh your dungeon dressing that you can use not only in Hero Quest, but in other uh, you can use it for Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or anything else where you're gonna break out miniatures. Um, I I think I'm a uh I would refer you to the Dungeon Craft uh, um YouTube channel Professor Dungeon Master and his his uh ultimate dungeon terrain where he just uses minimalist pieces kind of like you would on a on a set of a of a of live theater where you just got a few pieces and people's imaginations fill in the rest. Some of these things that come in the Hero Quest are perfect for that. The just doors and tables and little things like that. So um, yeah, pretty good value for the price. Um, I really do hope that they make it available. Uh again, for people who didn't get in on the, on the, in some form or fashion, didn't get in on the, uh, the original round of funding. And I would probably invest in another set to, uh, have one set of the miniatures unpainted and one that I can sit down and paint. Cause I really, I really want to paint these guys, <laughs> but they may retain a little more of their collectibility If they're un- unblemished, you know, new in the box, untouched, unspoiled, uh, and looking at what they're going on for for eBay now, I probably should have bought a couple of box sets just to turn around and sell on eBay. Anyway, enough request. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode. Uh, I want to thank my callers, uh, Jason Connerly, Carl Rodriguez, and Rob, also known as Mignon. Uh Be sure and check out their podcasts all here on Anchor. Um, they're a lot of fun to listen to. So, uh, everybody enjoy your games. Everybody out there who has Hero Quest, either the old version or the new, enjoy your Hero Quest. And uh, I'll be back later. And that's it for this episode of The Arcane Alienist. I want to thank Dave Bone for the cover art that I use for the episodes. Check out Ironseer.com. And the music is Come and Get It by Scott Holmes Music. Uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, Give me a call sometime through the Anchor app or at the Anchor website, and I'll be back in the future with another episode.